It's Wednesday, December 4th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the House Intelligence Committee officially passed the impeachment gavel to the House Judiciary Committee. We'll tell you why what happened today matters and what to expect next. Then, hospitals are suing the Trump administration over a new rule that's intended to help you save money. We'll dive into the drama. And finally, how McDonald's and Ford are putting coffee in the headlights. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip. The most complicated story today is about impeachment. We're talking about it because today we met a new cast of characters on the House Judiciary Committee. And since they're taking over the impeachment process now, they're people worth knowing. So we're going to get into what we learned before today, what's getting started now, and where the impeachment inquiry could go between now and the holidays. Let's start with a quick look back at a really long report. Yesterday, the House Intelligence Committee dropped its big holiday read, the Trump-Ukraine Impeachment Inquiry Report. A lot of what's in it isn't new. It includes mostly details we've learned about in recent hearings, which featured diplomats like America's former ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch, and the U.S. ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland. Here's the top Democrat on the committee, Adam Schiff, with the Cliff Notes version. This report chronicles a scheme by the President of the United States to coerce an ally, uh, Ukraine, uh, that is at war with an adversary, Russia, into doing the the president's uh, political uh, dirty work. Again, not a new allegation. But House Dems did drop some new deets in the form of phone records. Because apparently while we were watching these impeachment hearings on TV, the House Intelligence Committee was gathering info behind the scenes. They reportedly subpoenaed AT&T and Verizon for the phone records of key figures in the impeachment investigation, including President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Dems say these records demonstrate just how central the president's personal lawyer was during the events under scrutiny, even though he's not a government official. So a new bit of info yesterday, though it's not exactly clear how it might come up later. That was the House Intelligence Committee's last big hurrah. But now they're passing the baton to set the stage for a new part of the impeachment process. This new part involves another committee and a new cast of characters. Probably the most important is Congressman Jerry Nadler. He's a Democrat from New York and the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. So he's basically taking over from Adam Schiff. Here he was at the start of today's hearing. If it is true that President Trump has committed an impeachable offense or multiple impeachable offenses, then we must move swiftly to do our duty and charge him accordingly. So... The impeachment hearings in the House Intelligence Committee these last few weeks were to gather evidence and testimony about Trump's possibly impeachable behavior. And now the House Judiciary Committee is looking at that evidence, including that big 300-page report, and deciding to impeach or not to impeach. And to help make that decision, Nadler called up some law professors and invited them to D.C. to weigh in on whether Trump's done anything impeachable and, big picture, what is impeachment anyway? Harvard Law School professor Noah Feldman didn't take long to say Trump's behavior meets the Constitution's impeachable standard of, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors. On the facts that we have uh, before the House right now, the president solicited assistance from a foreign government in order to assist his own reelection. 
That is, he used the power of his office that no one else could possibly have used in order to gain personal advantage for himself, distorting the election. And that's precisely what the framers anticipated. There were a total of four law professors at today's hearing, and three of them agreed. Trump's behavior looks impeachable, while one, Jonathan Turley of George Washington University Law School, disagreed in a particularly lawyerly fashion. I'm concerned about lowering impeachment standards to fit a paucity of evidence and an abundance of anger. I believe this impeachment not only fails to satisfy the standard of past impeachments, but would create a dangerous precedent for future impeachments. Before we move on, just like there's a new top Democrat in this stage of the impeachment process, there's a new top Republican too. His name is Doug Collins, and he's a representative from Georgia. And even though Republicans are in the minority and probably won't be able to block the impeachment process in the House, Collins came ready with some new lines about why this next stage of impeachment shouldn't be taken too seriously. Don't tell me this is about new evidence and new things and new stuff. We may have a new hearing room, we may have new mics, and we may have chairs that aren't comfortable, but this is nothing new, folks. This is sad. So what happens next? Today we got thrown into law school. And it sort of felt like the committee members were phoning a friend, or actually four law expert friends, to clear up whether Trump's actions, as outlined in the report, are in fact impeachable offenses. And three out of four of them said, definitely yes. Exactly what happens next is still being figured out. The Judiciary Committee will likely hold another hearing next week. And while Trump has been invited to participate, the lineup is still TBD. And sometime after that, they'll get together and decide whether Trump's actions call for impeachment. And if so, which ones? Then they turn it over to the full 435 members of the House of Representatives for an impeachment vote. And then there'd be a trial in the Senate and then another impeachment vote before this whole thing could be possibly wrapped up. Meaning we're nowhere close to the finish line yet. So what's the skim? Law school professors, not members of Congress, played the starring roles in the impeachment inquiry into President Trump today. Four of them were asked, Given what you've seen and heard, is impeachment the right move? And three of them said, yes. Meanwhile, Republicans focused on the one professor who had issues with the impeachment probe. There's also talk that the committee wants to get the ball rolling on impeachment stat, and maybe try to impeach Trump in the full House of Reps by Christmas. But according to the Washington Post, some Democrats in Congress are wondering, should they only focus on the Ukraine stuff? Because there may be other things to impeach the president for like obstructing justice and wrongfully profiting off his presidency. TBD if that's going to happen, but if it does, it'll be the House Judiciary Committee's call. Coming up, why hospitals are suing the Trump administration over a new rule that's supposed to help you save money. That's next. We all know good habits are important, especially for your teeth. That means brushing for two minutes twice a day and flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. Quip makes that simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. And if you go to getquip.com slash skimthis right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash skimthis, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash skimthis. Quip, the good habits company. So, hospital bills. No one likes to get them, probably because even if you have insurance, the costs tend to be a surprise. 
In fact, a 2019 poll found the overwhelming majority of Americans want laws protecting them from having to cover surprise medical bills. Well, earlier this year, President Trump signed an executive order that said the prices for what things cost in hospitals should be more transparent. See, with most purchases, you know what you're going to spend before you buy it, and you know why something is as expensive as it is. Well, that's not the case with medical procedures. Patients might get an estimate, but it's not until your health insurance company bills you and sends you a wordy explanation of benefits that you know the full damage. And the prices that hospitals might share online for various procedures, known as list prices, don't always reflect the prices the hospital actually negotiated with your insurance company, which means your final bill can look a lot different from what you think you owe. And the stakes here are pretty high. By one estimate, more than 500,000 American families a year say that illness-related work loss or medical bills contributed to their bankruptcy. Yikes. So the Trump administration put forth two new rules that they say takes the guesswork out of your medical bills so patients can make better informed decisions. The first rule says insurance companies must set up an online tool that allows patients to get an estimate for their out-of-pocket costs from hospitals before they get medical care. And the second rule addresses the behind-the-scenes negotiations between hospitals and insurance companies when it comes to the rates of certain medical procedures. The Trump administration wants those negotiated rates to be made public, too. It'd be like a little window into why things are priced the way they're priced. The administration thinks these changes will not only eliminate surprise medical bills, but also lower healthcare costs. Because transparency could mean competition for your business. But hospitals are saying, not exactly. They say showing negotiated rates could actually cause a bidding war in which prices go up. And now today, hospital groups are suing the Trump administration over one of those rules, the one that requires them to disclose the negotiated rates they reach with insurers. They say that rule wouldn't eliminate surprise bills and could actually confuse the public more. You know, information overload. Plus, they say maintaining and releasing all that info is pricey and requires a lot of hard drive space. Think really long spreadsheets. Not only that, they say that requiring hospitals to disclose their negotiations violates their First Amendment rights, meaning they can't be forced or required by law to say something they don't agree with. Still, the Trump administration says they're on solid legal ground, even though some of their other efforts to address healthcare prices have been blocked. This one, too, could come down to a messy legal battle over how much you pay for your healthcare. A new study finds that women who regularly use permanent hair dye and or chemical hair straighteners have a higher risk of developing breast cancer. Research into potentially harmful chemicals and beauty products isn't new. And there have been concerns for a while about hair products that contain or emit formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen. But the links between products and cancer have so far been inconclusive. This new study doesn't get into which specific brands or treatments are the most risky, but it does offer more info about who is at risk. Scientists from the National Institutes of Health gathered data from nearly 47,000 women. They found that women who used permanent hair dye showed a 9% higher risk of breast cancer when compared to women who didn't. And for women who regularly use chemical hair straighteners, say, every five to eight weeks, there was a nearly 30% higher risk. Important to note, the researchers found that the risk for breast cancer was even higher for black women. Those who dyed their hair every five to eight weeks had 60% higher risk. 
The study didn't explicitly say why that is, but noted it could be due to differences in the chemicals in products made specifically for black women's hair. Scary stuff, but to be clear, correlation isn't causation. Scientists warn that there are tons of other factors to consider when it comes to increased risks for breast cancer, but that avoiding hair treatments with harsh chemicals could be one way to reduce your risk. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from your coffee grinder. If you're one of those people who grinds your own coffee beans in the morning, guess what? Before your beans come to you, they have to be de-husked. The husk of the coffee bean is called coffee chaff. The chaff usually peels off during the roasting process and is then thrown out. Useless chaff. But now, Ford Motor Company says they found a use for the coffee chaff. They're teaming up with McDonald's to take their cast-off coffee chaff and use it to make car parts. The coffee chaff that would have been burned or thrown out will now be recycled into headlight covers on cars. So there's something to mull over as you sip your morning brew. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a review. Also, we want to let you know about a new episode from our other podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. In this week's show, our co-founders and co-CEOs, Carly and Danielle, sat down with former professional race car driver Danica Patrick to talk about breaking ground for women on the track and her best advice for transitioning into the next chapter. I am coachable. Whatever it is, like, tell me, because I want to do better. Listen to this new episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 